0: Welcome to the AfterShock Central podcast with Travis and Martin. Hello, Travis. Hello, Martin. Ronnie is out this week, unfortunately, but uh, that's okay. We're uh, holding down the fort. You know why, Travis? Why's that? Because we're acolytes, apparently.
1: Yes, we are acolytes.
0: <laughs> uh, I told Ronnie. I was like, I don't even know how I missed this. I went through because I, I get the newsletter, the AfterShock newsletter. And uh for some reason I didn't get that one. I have the one from the week before and the one from the week after, but not that one. Weird. Yeah. It's too bad, man. It's too bad. Hey, uh, you know, whatever. I'm used to that.
1: Yeah. I mean, appreciate the shout out. Of course. Thanks. Thanks, guys.
0: That's very sweet. We do appreciate it. Uh we do have a lot to talk about though, so let's get right to it. We'll be talking about last week's books and this week's one book. So Travis, where do you want to start?
1: Uh, I mean, you, you want to do this week first and knock that out? Yeah, let's, let's start with this
0: week then. Uh, we'll kick off talking about baby teeth number 16, written by Donnie Cates with art by Gary Brown, colors by Mark Englert, letters by Taylor Esposito. Uh, I wasn't expecting the uh, time jump, were you?
1: No, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, like I was curious about kind of like you know why, what the reasoning for the uh, the time jump, you know, uh, like, and I, I guess I just assumed it was so that you could kind of like just skip forward or whatever to the end where like I mean, the the backdrop is that like Satan has already won, you know, uh, yeah, like I, I don't know, like. Yeah, you know, five years seems like a long time. Like I, I, I bet he probably has has been in power for a good chunk of that. Like, right? Yeah, I mean, I
0: would think so. Uh, it's pretty obvious that things are literally hell on earth, right? There's like giant demon things floating around, uh, roaming through the countryside. Um, everything's just red and orange and dilapidated buildings. Uh, I don't think we even see any people, right? Like the only people we see are the main crew that we've had the entire series. Um so it's it's pretty obvious that all the people got killed or displaced. Uh I would assume well, obviously no one's gonna be in the city, right? That's the first place you leave if you're in the city. Sure. Like if aliens come, Travis, you're not gonna stay in LA. You gotta go. You go to Yellowstone or something.
1: Yeah, dude. I mean, I've uh I've seen Independence Day. I know what <laughs> that uh but also like all the alien abduction stuff happens out in the country, so there's
0: nowhere safe. Oh, interesting. We'll get to that in a little bit. In a little bit, true. Yes.
1: Good good uh teaser. Good teaser. Uh yeah. I got I gotta pick a, a minor bone though. Oh, I like bones. Uh interesting. Which <laughs> is Okay, but there is one other person at least alive that we know. Yes. Spoiler alert, uh, it's, uh, Sadie's mom. Sadie's mom has
0: got it going on.
1: Yes. Episode title. Possible Hello. episode title. <laughs> uh,
0: yes, Sadie's mom is still alive. Um, I don't know if I'm surprised to be honest with you. It felt like when, when they were hanging out with the cult, uh, it it went by pretty quickly, and so I'm kind of glad that she's back. I wouldn't mind seeing some of the other characters that showed up then like uh you know the the weird vampire guy, for example,
1: sure I mean well like it gets to kind of like you know what what is she up to now you know like similarly she's been waiting there for some period of time, you know, yes. and like to bring her back like that to me suggests maybe that uh like she and maybe some of her former cohorts maybe are going to be involved in, like, whatever operation they're planning to, like, you know, get rid of Satan or whatever, you know? Yeah. yeah. uh Because, like, it's, uh, you know, like, that's what I was wondering, I-, I guess, is what their plan is. Like, their best assets, I guess, are, like, you know, uh, a Chinooke demon and like Clark can cry or whatever. You can open a portal <laughs> and Heather's got like a machine gun. Yes. But if you get Dancy in there and you get like a bunch of other people with guns, like that might be something. Yeah. I mean,
0: maybe, uh, maybe Sadie's mom's like, yeah, this kind of sucks. And, uh, you know, Clark's not around. So let's, let's mount an initiative to, uh, to make him, like, rule this hellscape now, and we'll get rid of Satan. Like, maybe that's what's up. Because Clark's not yeah. around, right? Like, it's just Sadie and Heather and Simon, right? Because Simon's mom has died. Uh, and then the, the little raccoon demon thing.
1: I mean, I thought I saw, like, a little toddler that, that I thought was um, was the, the baby, it was Clark.
0: Interesting, because I thought Clark wasn't there, because isn't that why she's recording, it's for Clark, because Clark's not around?
1: It could be, yeah. Like, I thought he was in the end, so my my read, if he is, is that, like, maybe it's for him when he is, like, whatever, psychologically old enough to understand such things. Right. And remember them, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, let's see, I'm going through this.
1: Yeah, you're right. I, I do see Clark there. Yeah, there's some toddler there, so my, my guess was it was Clark.
0: Yeah, you're right, it is Clark. My bad. I guess maybe I got confused between the two, two timelines. Um and we've seen that before, right? I think, uh, what was it, like the end of the first arc, we had Sadie doing this thing at the, uh, in the ruins, like recording for, uh, for Clark.
1: Yeah, so this is, like, like another jump, right? Like, this is after the five years or whatever. It's, it's more now, whereas before it was, at this point, five years ago. Yes. Yeah. Yep.
0: Uh, that's true. Uh, they do live a, a pretty crappy existence, though. I, I don't even know. Like, how do they get food or anything? Do they just, like, are they eating dead people? Uh, I don't know. maybe, or like they're eating these demon cows that roam
1: the countryside yeah, maybe they're eating demons, or yeah, I don't know they're they're going out foraging sure, maybe yeah,
0: yeah, I did I I was a little surprised by the jump but I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense, right I think maybe seeing that demonic invasion um, just maybe wouldn't fit into the overall story I'm I'm pretty sure this is supposed to be, like, 25 issues. So I'm not sure how much time you would be able to spend on that invasion. Uh, That would make sense to the overall story. Uh, And, and I mean, like, really, it doesn't matter that we see the invasion either.
1: Sure. I mean, like, my guess, though, would be that, uh, like, we're following a certain POV right now. So, you know, maybe the next issue, there is, like, a page or two that is uh, the mom who I've got to take a stab is like Christine or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that she maybe would take at least a few panels to be like, this is how it went down. You know, this right. happened, this happened. This is what's, this is what you need to know about what is going on right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, So if they do that, then yeah, you know, it's like, that's all you got to do is put it somewhere like to just get us to now. Yep. Good point. Uh, what else on this one? Um, I mean, I guess I would just add, like, to your point. I was curious about, like, let's say that they succeed and they they take down Satan or whatever. Like, what does that mean for Clark, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, ultimately, his role is to rule by Satan's side, right? And maybe take over at some point.
1: Yeah, I mean, but if so, but if he gets defeated and sent back to hell or whatever, like, you know, does, does, you know, does Clark have a future on Earth uh, if that plays out that way?
0: Sure. I guess we'll find out in uh, about a dozen
1: issues. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe he becomes a real boy. Oh, I like that. He's like Pinocchio. Yeah. Oh, dude, we skipped right over the most important question. Good thing. I consulted my notes
0: <laughs> I don't know what that
1: is, yes, okay, most important question is uh and forgive me if we've already discussed this, but there's a Marty in this book yes,
0: Marty is the raccoon, yes, yes are
1: we are we counting that as Martin I mean is that is, I mean is Marty have you ever been called Marty?
0: oh, yeah, all the time,
1: okay. So, that, so you're chalking that up as Martin.
0: I am chalking that up as Martin. Okay. Uh, let's, uh, matter of fact, uh, let's see. Yep, sure enough, it's the same meaning. Marty is a version of Martin.
1: Hello. Yeah, I mean, so I feel good for you, man. Like, that's another one to add to the uh, the your score, you know? <laughs> you and Ronnie are doing pretty good. Yeah, we need uh we need some more Travises. What's up? Yeah. Yeah, you know, or Travi, whatever. The you know like Yeah, Trav. Yeah, you want to you want to turn to nickname. That's cool. Yeah. I'm
0: down. I'm rooting for no more Martins. Let's get some Travis's.
1: Oh, well that's too kind, but I uh, you know, like I it's I was just saying it's not a bad name. That's a great
0: name. I'm down. Somebody make that happen. Yeah. Uh all right. Rate this one up, Travis.
1: Uh alright, I'll go uh four out of five.
0: Fantastic. Since Ronnie's not here this week and I can't annoy him, I'm gonna give a rating, and my rating will also be a four out of five.
1: Ooh. <laughs> I think he might be you know, he might end up listening. Mm. Oh, he will listen. He can, you can still annoy him.
0: <laughs> He'll be like this mother.
1: Hi Ronnie. <laughs>
0: Alright, let's let's uh, let's jump into last week's books, and uh, in honor of a friend of the show, Rob Krieger, uh, we're going to do these in alphabetical order, because Rob Krieger reads his comics in alphabetical order.
1: You gotta have a system, dude.
0: You gotta have a system. It's important. So we'll kick things off with Animosity number 23, brand new arc, uh, written by Marguerite Bennett. We have art by Elton Tomasi and Rafael De La Torre. Colors by Rob Shraggy P. Schwager, and letters by Taylor esposito um this is a it's one of those things where like there's been a lot going on in this book, right, and I think this issue is very much a step back um and of course, being the first issue in an arc, it does end up setting up some things we see uh some possible new villains. Popping in, uh, maybe not villains is the, is not the right term. Some some antagonists to uh, to the crew. Uh, kind of what I liked is a little more world building in in the fact that we take a step back from the action, and so we we see a bunch of outposts as uh, as our crew is going from the east coast to the west coast. And uh, and I thought that was cool, right? We see an outpost in Alabama. There's one in Mississippi. I think is where they're at. Um, so that was, that was kind of nice to see, kind of seeing how animals and humans are learning to work together.
1: Yeah, I, I like that part too. Um, and yeah, thank you for, for noting where that stuff was happening. Cause I would definitely, I didn't realize they were moving across the country yes. in real time. Yep.
0: Yeah. I think this issue kicks off three weeks after the, uh, the previous issue after they took down that, uh, whatever the, the baby making place. Uh, and it's cool. Like you got some follow up on the two, right? Like you don't, I like the fact that Marguerite always references previous parts of the story without giving you like previously on animosity. Um, you know, like as, as they're talking and kind of, explaining what's happening in the world now since they left that place. You see like that one panel of the the girl giving birth, right? Because that was kind of the thing in the previous place where they were at. Uh, They were just getting girls pregnant to have babies and babies and babies. Um, But now, of course, it's very different because all the women that went through that experience kind of help each other get through that kind of stuff. Um, I like the fact that we got some backstory on some characters that we really haven't had much backstory on. Um, like Linus, the, the little lemur. Um, I can't remember the deer's name. That was one of my favorite backstories here. Uh, how we learned about the, uh, the game warden and, uh, you know, he was with this family that kind of kept or, or fostered wild animals, um, that were like injured or whatever. Or if they would find like baby animals in the woods, they would bring them in and feed them until they were old enough to go back. And the warden was this like, I don't know, kind of like vicious dude, right? And and things didn't end well for him, uh, and maybe that's saying something about like how that attitude of the world before doesn't really work that way here. Um, and the the animals also are learning these lessons. I think that's maybe why that flashback shows up, right? Like he talks about his when when he gained consciousness, his first thing was to go and seek revenge. And then he found that, like, other animals had already done it for him, and the guy was dead. And then he didn't know, like, how to deal with that anger he had, and he turned it into himself. And, like, cut his eye out, I guess. That's why he doesn't – he's missing the eye. Um, I, I thought that whole thing was really interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I was – um I was thinking about what to to make of that story because obviously I think that, you know, it's about revenge, you know, and like I I feel like maybe for me at least it would work a little bit better if like I, I feel like it gets confused when you have to bake into the story that like, oh, and by the way, when I when I got there, it was too late. So that's why it was bad, you know. Like, I feel like it it means more if he wasn't too late, but then, you know, like, like could participate in this act of revenge or whatever, but then goes to his family and it was too late.
0: I mean, I guess. But I think maybe the story is trying to, to say a little more about, like, how these animals are learning to cope with being conscious and and I think yeah I mean it could have gone either way right but to me it felt a little stronger that he couldn't get his revenge Um, because like what if he had taken the revenge like how would he be able to cope with that right like right now what he has to cope with is he hurt himself because he had to get this anger out somehow Um, and like that seems like a pretty human thing you know what I mean like people commit suicide or like mutilate themselves for several different reasons um so you know it's it i think it's a nice commentary on that um like depression anxiety like mental illness all that kind of thing rolled into one um i think it works pretty well Uh, because you got to think like if you're an animal and all of a sudden like you have all these thoughts like can you imagine just being born like as a full adult like you have an adult brain when you're a baby like, I don't think you'd be able to cope very well. And that's basically, like, what all these animals are doing.
1: Uh, I mean, I agree that, you know, that's fascinating. And I, I hope that maybe they they can drill down into that a little bit more, you know? like the, Like, a first-person account or first animal account of what happened, like, right when the wake happened or whatever, and grappling with that, as you say, like... I think that would be fascinating, you know?
0: Yeah. Yes. Um, and then I mentioned the antagonist. So we have these two guys that are kind of like scoping out these outposts for animals to take to their king, apparently. Uh, so they kind of have their eye on Linus, the lemur, because the king doesn't have a lemur. He's never seen one before. Um, so we'll see where that goes. Obviously, that's going to be the, uh, the big move, uh, at least for the next few issues. It's this new group that they're meeting up with.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I guess maybe that's like kind of defines it away from the, the, you know, the previous arc. I mean, I like, I guess before the, uh, you know, the snake stuff, like, you know, the, the, the humans were being abducted, mm-hmm. you know, and now it's the animals that are being abducted.
0: Yeah. Yep. That's true. Um, what else on this one?
1: Uh, well, uh, I guess I would just add that, uh, obviously in the beginning of the issue, she's writing a letter to, to, um, ah, uh, what's his name? Oh, North. yes, to her brother. Adam. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, like, 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 obviously that's where they're going. So that, you know, after this arc, maybe they, they do a jump and they've, they've like managed to, to make it to San Francisco or whatever.
0: I'm curious. Do you think we'll get some stuff going on on the West Coast uh, within this book now that evolution is over?
1: I mean, I I wouldn't mind, but seems like so far it's obviously been a specific, you know, kind of general specific POV. Like, you know, we're we're not hopping away from this group. Like, members of the group.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, this, this particular issue wasn't very Jesse Sandor heavy. I mean, yeah, you, you do get the narration of Jesse's letter to Adam, but, um, outside of that, it wasn't very heavy on them. It was mostly focusing on some of the other characters. Um, so that was cool. I, I like the whole thing about, you know, it's, uh, Jesse's 13th birthday and they want to throw her a bat mitzvah and like nobody knows what that is. Um, but, like, they try, and uh, and I thought that was a nice moment, too, kind of seeing how they're forming themselves into this family group.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's nice. I mean, I, I don't know if that uh, event is necessarily going to happen. That kind of might get co-opted by sure. whatever's going to happen next issue, but maybe they'll come back to it. Sure, maybe. All
0: right, let's, uh, let's rate this one up, then. Uh, I'm going to go with a four out of five again
1: cool uh, I'm gonna go 3.75 out of five
0: hmm I understand why I get it I get it I think uh, first uh, first issues of an arc can be a little tough sometimes uh, especially coming off like an arc where there was just so much happening right
1: yeah definitely um, yeah it's kind of just like I don't know I- I'm curious where it's gonna go you know I, I agree it's probably just a transitional. Nature trying to like introduce this and then they're going to blow it up in the next issue.
0: Yep. All right. That means the next book on the list is dark red number six. Uh, I love the, uh, the title of this issue, territorial pissing, uh, written by Tim Seeley with art by Corin Howell, letters by Mark Englert and our colors, excuse me, by Mark Englert and letters by Carlos Mangual. Uh, Shout
1: out to Kurt Cobain.
0: I uh, I didn't realize Megan Hetrick did a cover for this. I might need to go and track that down. Actually, nice. I, I really like her. She's uh somewhat local to me, and she is brilliant. Uh, and and ju- I think just like Animosity, this one's kind of a chill back issue too, right? We uh, there was some setup at the end of issue five as to where we're going to go, and uh, I think some of that is hinted at here. Uh, we do meet some new characters. I uh, I found the whole thing. With like Chip trying, you know, now that Evie's gone, he's got to feed somehow, right? Um, but he doesn't just pick random people, and I like the fact that we see how he struggles with that sometimes, right? Getting over his his vampire nature, because uh, for example, like he could have easily sucked that dude's blood in the in the <laughs> in the bathroom stall. Uh, I don't know if that'd be appetizing, right? Because the dude was kind of dropping a number two but uh, I don't know I don't know if you want to eat with that smell around, um, but it was cool yeah, plus
1: I, I, he he had alcohol in his blood dude. oh
0: that's true, that is true, yeah, he was pretty wasted, uh, but we do get to to meet some new characters. we see these uh pumas, I guess we lepers um, and uh, I did not expect that, uh, at least not that kind of animal, you know I think in a, in a lot of vampire stories at least. I don't know, over the last 40, 50 years maybe, uh, there's, there's been some crossover between werewolves and vampires. Uh, but I, I didn't quite expect this were cat and, and her kitten. Uh, but I, I enjoy that. I enjoy that. And I like kind of the way that it played out. Um, partially because, I mean, you know, the first arc had a lot of commentary about like neo Nazis and, and extremist groups um racism and things like that and and the wear cat people coming in uh was was also a little bit of a play on that right they're like central american i assumed uh yeah i think so right cuz they they talked about the the wear gang from el salvador um so obviously that deals a little bit with uh immigration and and racism towards those groups of people um obviously a little bit different but uh, i i thought it was well done
1: yeah, I, I totally agree, dude. Um, like to that point, obviously, I think that's meant to evoke, you know, the kind of situation that's going on right now about, you know, families like fleeing violence in Central America. Uh, you know, and it kind of, you know, like I'm still curious what the, the kind of message of this series is going to be with respect to these like politics, generally speaking, Um, like, you know, we see in this issue kind of chip starts out being very kind of like, look, this is my territory. So like, I, you know, you you can like whatever, like sleep, but then you got to go because this is like my territory, you know, like I don't wish you ill, but like you're coming into my spot. And, you know, by the end of that, he's clearly, uh, like, shown he's a lot more compassionate, you know? Like, he's now maybe going to take care of this kid. Yeah, seems um, likely. Yeah. So, I, like, my guess, maybe, like, based on what we've seen, is, like, I wonder if what they're, where they're going is this idea that, like, Chip, you know, he comes from an older generation, like, that was a little bit more, like conservative in certain respects you know but like had a kind of like decency uh, like that maybe isn't like, like maybe they're contrasting that with like the new conservatism mm. and trying trying to maybe point to like how it's changed yeah you know like that. that's just my guess but based on kind of well, we've already seen from chip and like others that he's like compared to um but like the other thing being i really enjoyed kind of the world building that we did introducing these wares you know yeah and like to your point about kind of like what they turn into like there was an idea that they put in here that like it's a condition of the mind i like, love mind. that thinks that you are an animal, so you turn into an animal. Yep. Like, that's cool. They also hint at, like, a way larger kind of, you know, world or whatever that, like, involves, like, history between vamps and wares. Like, they talk about, like, wild hunts and cullings and mm-hmm. a first black happening or something. Yep, yep. First First black becoming, which suggests that like there's some inciting incident or something common to both of them that created them or something. Yep. So like that is pretty tantalizing, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, really well done. I uh, I love the character design for this werecat cat woman. Also, um, I don't know. Just because cool she's about naked, it. right? No, not even that. Just like. The like the hair flowing like that one panel when we first see her and she runs away from Chip and then you see her like down with the hair blowing in front of her and then you kind of see her from behind and then you see her turn into the leopard, uh, the puma I guess puma, right? That'd be uh, the American version of a leopard Um, It just, it was really, really be- like really well done uh, Art's really dynamic in this one
1: yeah, I agree. the uh, The design of them really looked good.
0: Yep, very good. I did have one minor issue though, because the little the baby wear cat is a female, um, but the noun and adjective used to describe her ends in o, which would make it a male noun and adjective in Spanish. So, minor technicality, but maybe there's a reason for that.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't think of that uh, until you got and started getting into it, and then I, I realized where you're going with it. Yep. So, I mean, it looks like like a female to me, but, I, you know, I don't know.
0: Oh, it is. Like, Chip says, like, take her so I can take care of this. Yeah. So, like I said, minor technicality. Uh, n- not really that big a deal. Sure. Um, but yeah, very cool. And, uh, then you had this hunter, uh, who not only hunts wares, but apparently also hunts vampires. And of course that ties into how issue five ended, where we learned that he's been imprinted by the, the, the lady that's running the, uh, is it the Eventide, right? In Chicago. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he has Chip imprint him. So he kind of gets out of this delusion that he has to kill this werecat. Um, and Chip does that. I don't know how well that... how that whole thing works, really. Because uh, you do see at one point, like, he still tries to kill the little werecat, and Chip's like, nope. Uh, I've got you imprinted. You gotta chill out. Put the knife down. hmm So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'm curious how this is gonna tie into Evie, though, right? Because it's obviously important... Uh, the guy calls out Evie's name. That's why Chip agrees to imprint him. Um, so there's a little bit more going on here than uh, we're initially letting on.
1: Well, I think it's at the end of the issue that kind of nod to the idea that, like, she's being used right now by, you know, his vampire boss, and yep. when she's no longer useful, she's going to get killed. Uh, so, yeah, like, I don't know what she's what she's doing. I assume that we'll we'll get that stuff at some point, what's mm-hmm. going on in Chicago, why she left in the first place and all that. Yep. Very good.
0: Anything else or is it ratings time? No, I feel good, man. Looks like there's gonna be some S and M stuff going on next issue if you look at the cover. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't see the cover for seven? It's awesome.
1: I can't remember.
0: It's fantastic. Look look it up when you get a chance. Uh give me a rating, Travis.
1: Alright, I'll go 4.5
0: out of 5 on this one. Wow, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with my fours. Sticking with my fours. Uh, that means the next book is Descent Number 5, which is the final issue of this series. Maybe. It does end with an end question mark. Uh, and it, the ending does leave it open for more. Uh, written by Stephanie Phillips with art by Evgeny Bornyakov, uh, colors by Lauren Affey and letters by Troy Pateri. Uh, so hit me up on this, Travis. What, what? How'd you feel? What'd you think? By the way, we were we were dead on. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I think we called how this would turn out. Not like, hmm. not exactly how, but we did call that this group of, in, in, during the witch trials, somehow got turned into this group being led by a witch.
1: Sure. I, yeah, like that kind of seemed pretty evident, uh, like, I think a few issues ago. Mm-hmm. Um I guess I'm I'm a little confused about the mechanics towards the end, you know, like where they're fighting around the pyres or whatever, and like obviously seems like the implication is that somehow, you know, this thing it's a a Sukuyon. Yep. Uh jumped bodies into you know, the little girl. Yep. You know, so like I'm not sure exactly what 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 the mechanics of that were, like what whether just like simple touch or whatever did it, like obviously they were implying some kind of like ritual, but like the kind of witch's like flayed body seemed to disintegrate. I I, I don't know, like like is the implication that like the girl's body burned up instantly and a new body was created in the flame that was the witch.
0: So I'm glad you asked, Travis. Uh, so this succyant is uh, a Caribbean kind of witch, kind of vampire thing. Um, in in folklore, it travels kind of like as a fireball through the sky, looking for victims. And when when she finds one, she comes down to earth and sucks their blood. Uh, hmm. She she does have a, a body, but. Because she's kind of magical, she can squeeze through, like, cracks in a in window or, like, a keyhole in a door uh, to get to her victim. Um, again, it's part vampire, part witch, so there's some witchcraft going on. And this thing can actually jump bodies by basically covering itself in the skin of a victim. Uh, that's why, at the end of the issue, we have this whole thing with the skin, right? Like, throw the skin in the uh, into the fire, like, that's how we're going to kill her. Because uh, they see that the fire is kind of hurting her as they're fighting along. Um, and I think maybe the reason why it's able to jump into the girl uh, somehow, my assumption is yes, the girl burned to death, and as this is happening, the witch jumped into the skin. Um, and you know, therefore being able to regenerate. But anyways, the only way to actually kill this thing uh, is not through fire, uh, but by pouring salt onto the skin. So that's why the fire seemingly fixed it, but it didn't actually fix it, because the creature can jump
1: between bodies. Okay, follow-up question. Yes. Uh, so there were two babies that were also part of the ritual, right? Yes. Those babies got out, I believe. Correct. So they were just like, is the, are we thinking that that's kind of the, gets to their assertion that it's like, oh, well, if we only had less than three, that it wouldn't be as effective or whatever. So, so, so it's, yeah. Right? All right. So let me,
0: let me explain the way I think this works. Um, so you have a couple flashback scenes in this issue, right? Um, you have at the beginning this, this one witch who's also a slave woman. It's like, Hey, I know how we can protect ourselves from these witch trials. Let's call up the spirit of the, the Sucuyan. And that's how that begins. You get another flashback scene a little bit later where she actually goes into the court and gives herself up as a witch. Um, and you see those three guys that are in charge of the witch trials. I think what's happening is kind of like one of these deal with the devil kind of things where she basically gave them unlimited power, okay? Or like the power that they wanted to fix the problems they had, right? We we learned a little bit about the problems, right? Like one guy was not going to be like governor or whatever anymore. One guy was losing his business. One guy was losing his church. And by making this deal with the Sukuyant, they're able to keep all those things but it comes at a price. And the price is they have to sacrifice a member of their bloodline to continue this um, pact, I guess, with the Sukuyan. And it's not a one-time thing. It has to be done every generation. So the girl and the two babies, I think each one represents the, the bloodline of each one of these three men. And so to continue their pact, this has to continue going on. Every few years, like every generation, they have to sacrifice one member of the bloodline for each of those families.
1: Yeah, I'll buy that. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, so those babies still have to be sacrificed or, you know? I
0: mean, not necessarily anymore, but maybe in the future, or their children will have to be sacrificed. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how the pact works because we don't really see the pact, right? We just know that they made some kind of deal to keep their power.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm on board with your whole uh, rundown of of all that stuff. Yeah, I, I, I'm just kind of I wasn't sure what to make of the the twist at the end where it, like I seemingly it works, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Yeah. Yes. Um, I don't think I really have anything else on this one. I uh, I kind of would I would like for this book to return, um, and for us to get. Like, more of the stuff in the past. You know what I mean? Like, I, I really enjoy the characters that we have in this book. Um, especially the guy, I can't remember his name. He was, he's hilarious. Um, David. David. I, I really enjoy the ca, the cast of characters. But when we meet, uh, when we meet this girl, what's her name? Tatuba and the other witches. I'm, and we see the, the, the origin of the succuant. Like, I want to see more of that. Just because I'm interested in that kind of thing, right, like voodoo magic and all that kind of stuff, um, I would love to see, like, how this woman found out about this. Like, more on the actual pact. Like, what's this cult been doing since this time? Because um, really everything, most of the book took place in, in, in the present day. Uh, and I would just want more backstory just because I, I find that kind of thing really interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I agree. Um, I guess I would also just add that, like, you know, I, I think that, um, I, I think there's maybe, like, a, a bit of kind of, like, a feminist theme in this issue, especially behind, like, um, the idea that, like, you have women that were being hunted and, and, like, you know, like, uh, like a female would protect them you know like i i feel like there's like i don't know there's just hints of that i guess thematically and i definitely enjoy you know bringing an additional like thematic weight to it you know
0: yeah i could see that um it's definitely not
1: blatant right
0: um uh, but i could definitely see that and and i mean historically i i would say that's true right um i mean some of the witch trial things happened because certain people wanted like a piece of land that somebody else owns. So they're like, Hey, she's a witch. And then when they die, they take their land. Mm -hmm. Um, like there was that kind of thing, but also like, Hey, uh, this woman won't let me beat her. So she's a witch, right? She's too strong. Um, cause they kind of didn't fit the mold of what a woman was supposed to be doing. Um, or like, Hey, this woman can read only witches can read. You know what I mean? Like, that kind of thing. So I, I definitely see some of that connotation. And, and historically, I would say that's very true.
1: Yeah, so it's like, these women are getting uppity, and it's like, they're a witch, and it's like, oh, we'll show you a witch, though. Yeah,
0: the devil possessed her. Yeah. Yep, very true. Uh Cool. I think that wraps this one up, right? Word. Uh, I'm gonna rate it, guess what? Four out of five.
1: Yeah, four out of five feels good.
0: Great. I like the feeling. More than a feeling! Alright, that means the final book... Is Midnight Vista, number one, uh, written by Elliot Rahal, with art by Clara Meath, colors by Mark Englert, and letters by Taylor Esposito. Man, those guys are busy. Busy, busy. Yeah, man. Uh, this book, partially based on a true story. Yeah, dude. So, before we talk about this book, because this is partially based on a true story, you know it would be awesome? If uh, if Elliot did, like, a little prose piece at the end. And I don't even need it now, but maybe like when the last issue comes out, kind of telling the story of this alien abduction.
1: Yeah, I, I think that'd be good actually, uh, because obviously that was, I think, very upfront in even the initial like announcement yeah. of the series. What, what built into it, I think, were statements from Elliot that were to the effect of like. Yeah, like, I, uh, you know, had a experience, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and I have to give him credit. Like, I think that, that takes tremendous courage for somebody to, like, take that public, you know? Yes. Uh, And, like, I have a, a good friend who, like you know has a UFO story and i think it's fair to say that like it changed his life mm. um and you like obviously it sounds crazy to a lot of people you know yeah but you know to to be candid about that i think deserves a ton of respect
0: uh yeah i agree Uh, you know, people try to come up with all kinds of explanations for sightings and abductions and whatever. Um, and I mean, I've seen like weird ones, right? Like just from government experiments, like, uh, to like natural psychedelics in the brain or whatever, like all kinds of stuff. You hear all kinds of stories. Um, but like, obviously like the people that have had these experiences, they're real experiences. Um, and I don't know, like, without having, like, being able to see in that person's mind, uh, like, what the, the full scope of the experience is. Right? Cause sometimes, like, even, and I'm not saying aliens don't exist or that they don't abduct people. Um, I sure hope they exist. And I sure hope they abduct people. Some people need to be abducted forever. Um, but, uh, you're like, memory's kind of a weird thing, right? So, like, sometimes you do wonder when you hear stories where, like, how much of this actually happened and how much is maybe, like, your brain filling in certain aspects of the actual experience. Um, so, I think that's pretty interesting as well. With that said, if somebody tells me they were abducted by aliens, my first thought is, cool, tell me the story. Because, like, I find that fascinating, right? Like, if you tell me it happened, I'm not going to doubt you. Just throwing that out there.
1: I mean, it sounds like you are receptive. You know, like
0: oh yeah, I love this stuff. I know.
1: I think I, I I like I don't know. To be honest, like if I if I if somebody was telling me that they were abductive abducted, I feel like it would depend on how well I know the person mm. to not be like, hey, I gotta go away <laughs> <Like, laughs> from you as fast as possible possible like you know what i'm saying yeah it's like abducted is a different level than like i saw something in the sky yeah right right right. you know
0: yeah well i mean and and, you know there's there's various degrees of abducted too right like there's some pretty crazy stories where you're like eh that sounds like you made half of that up but there's some that like seem simple enough like, that seems totally believable sure yeah
1: it's like the the devil's in the details i guess
0: yeah absolutely
1: yeah, but I mean like to that to the larger point I guess like like I mean to your point about like you know maybe false memories or whatever. Like I feel like they kind of open the door in this to the idea of like but what if it is some kind of like traumatic coping mechanism or something, you know? Yes. Like that I think Like, whether or not it's explicitly in the story, I wonder if maybe there is just a thematic nod towards, like, that the abduction symbolizes, you know, trauma from this divorce and whatever is going on. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Which is true. But then you have the fact that this guy's been missing for 18 years. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, so like if it was trauma from a divorce like where has he been for 18 years he's not going to just disappear Uh I mean like you could say that maybe there's some other stuff going on like maybe his dad kidnapped him well that can't be the case right because we see the dad he's got a, a family by now right mm-hmm. his kid's been gone for 18 years Uh so maybe that's not it well you know I mean it's possible that maybe the mom took him somewhere right because um, you see she's very distraught by the whole divorce thing and her husband not wanting to pay child support or alimony or anything like that. Um, so there's, there's some really interesting things that do pop up, um, that I I would say are not necessarily like out of the ordinary for certain people that have these types of experiences. Like I've definitely heard of, of people having like really shitty things happen in their lives before they're abducted. Uh, so that goes kind of to your dealing with some kind of trauma uh point. Um but again, I don't know. You know, like if if you tell me you got abducted, guess what, Chavez? I believe you. You got abducted. I mean that's
1: very open minded of you, man. But I again, try. it sounds like you're receptive. I'm you very know? receptive,
0: yeah. I want to believe as Fox Mulder used to say.
1: Well, yeah, the the poster said. Well yeah. the,
0: yes, the poster said. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if
1: he said the truth is out there. <laughs> or trust no one. Someone said these things. Yes. Um, all right. So um,
0: we've been talking about alien abductions. Let's talk about the comic.
1: Yeah, I thought we were. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I
0: guess we, we yeah, I mean, we were tangentially. Very true. Um, I, 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 I like the fact that there's a there's some. It, it's pretty obvious to me that Elliot is interested in this kind of stuff. Right. Obviously, like I think if maybe if you had this experience, obviously you'd be interested in finding out more, right? So that makes sense. Uh, but he's definitely seems like a guy that's done his research. And there's a lot of Easter eggs for people that understand some of these things. Um like there's uh there's a brief mention about like Heaven's Gate in this issue. Um they they mentioned Phoenix. Uh and I think actually those two things happened the same year. Uh so in nineteen ninety seven is the largest mass sighting in, like, recorded history. Um, like, 10,000 people saw these lights uh, traveling through Phoenix. Uh, in fact, I think there's reports from, like, basically the entire state, from, like, New Mexico all the way down um, Arizona, and then into Mexico as well. Um, these lights, and I, I think the ship was, like, a mile wide or something. Just, like chilling, cruising through the entire state. Um, So there's like 10,000 people that saw this thing. So that's what the the Phoenix reference is. Um, I think that happened early-ish in the year, like May-June. That was also the year of the Hale-Bob Comet, so that's why you have a reference to uh, Heaven's Gate cult, because they believe that the Hale-Bob Comet would come, and it was actually a spaceship with aliens that would take them to the homeworld. Um, So that was cool. Um, You have uh, the radio announcer uh, that shows up when – I I think it's um, his grandma, right? Is that who this person is driving?
1: Uh, I think it's his stepdad.
0: Oh, stepdad. Okay. I I don't know. Maybe. I couldn't quite tell, like, what the relationship was. Yeah, I guess maybe you're right.
1: I, I think his name is Nomar.
0: Okay. I thought that was some like nickname for grandma. That's why I assume grandma. Um, anyways, uh, when they're listening to the radio and you see, uh, my name is Art Bell, you listening to. So that's, um, oh God, what's the name of that show? <coughs> Midnight in the Desert, uh, paranormal show. I think it's still going on. Uh, Art Bell doesn't do it anymore. He passed away, I think like a year ago. Um, so like a lot of things like that were like, if you, are kind of know a little bit about the subculture, uh, you're like, okay, like, yeah, I get it. Like, this guy knows what he's doing. And I don't know how much you know about any of this stuff. So I'm curious, like, if any of those things struck anything to you, or had you be like, ah, oh, I wonder why, why, like, this is mentioned.
1: I mean, I, I guess the the Heaven's Gate thing, like, I recognized it and then didn't think of the implications, uh, the Art Bell thing I did take notice because, uh, like, just as an aside, there's like a, a clip from the Art Bell show that they repurposed uh, for uh, a tool album. Mm, yeah, yeah, called yeah. called Lateralis, where a guy is calling in and talking about like like uh, aliens, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like. Being on the run from Area 51 and stuff. Um, yeah, I think, so I, matter of fact, I think it was the Art Bell show that broke the Area 51 thing, right? I'm pretty sure that's true. All right, well, that's nuts. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah, like, like like that registered for me. Um, the Phoenix thing is pretty cool. I didn't and I didn't put that together. Um, but okay, what I what I would add, I guess, is just the like. I mean, it seems like like you were. Kind of nodding to Elliot and being like, "Oh, he knows his stuff, um, but like a- as a totally anecdotal thing, like my buddy, who you know saw UFO, like it, 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 like he researches UFOs constantly mm. the last time I checked, you know, so like I think that it, it is like a transformative experience for people, absolutely, and they seek it out. Yes. Yes.
0: It's, uh, you know, I think when you experience something that's completely out of the ordinary, you kind of feel like, I mean, I think that's just how people work, right? Like people are curious, like you want to know why this thing happened or like why you had a certain experience. Uh, and so people would be naturally curious to go this direction. Um, Like, I I know, like, for example, we've, we, I think we talked on the show, especially with animosity about like psychedelics, but like, that's interesting to me because like, I've had interesting experiences with that. Right. And like, how does that work? How how does that impact the way I see things or experience things? And I, I would assume like, you know, seeing aliens or being abducted by aliens or like seeing Bigfoot or the Mothman or whatever, like any of these cryptids uh would definitely change people in in a certain way, especially if it's a very personal experience like this guy had where he's physically on the ship being experimented on
1: yeah man i think I think like yeah th- that is a very interesting and compelling kind of uh, like synthesis there about like seeing something that you know most people don't see mm-hmm. you know and and like Seeing something, I guess, like more directly, it just challenges your conception of reality in some sense or another mm-hmm. and makes you uh, like question like whether it's at all valid, you know? Uh, so it's like, I think you could probably lump into that like people who have like ghost stories. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's like something happens to you that you can't explain or that like that gives you... A very different perspective, and like you kind of can't go back.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, once you uh, what's that thing in The Matrix when you take the blue pill, you can't go back, or whatever, whatever, whatever that line was. It's
1: a red pill, or right? the red pill, yeah. When you take the red pill, you can't go back. Right? Yeah, you gotta, like,
0: you gotta keep going.
1: Yeah, red pill's been uh, co-opted. We're taking it back. <laughs> red pill's good.
0: Red pill good, blue pill bad uh, for some people, some people like the blue pill,
1: some people yeah, like some people can't can't handle the red pill, yes,
0: um, all right, very good, yes, yeah, so uh, so this kid gets abducted, and then eighteen years later, he shows back up in the same road where he was kidnapped, uh, he's butt naked, tries to go home, uh, his family doesn't live there anymore, it's some guy who calls him a pervert and tries to shoot him. And uh so he gets sent to the hospital, detectives show up, and they try to figure out what the hell's happening, because this kid's been gone for 18 years.
1: And then we see the men in black. It's the men in black? I, I figured it was, like, aliens in, like, Edgar suits who <laughs> were, like, trying to take this kid back.
0: So that's the men in black.
1: Oh, that's... Okay. All yes. Right.
0: So in, in a lot of
1: stories, there's a lot of... You should look
0: up men in black. It's really interesting. Um, it's kind of this description where like, I I think the way that they're illustrated here is a little more cartoony. Obviously it's, it's a comic, so you're drawing it. Um, but there's a lot of descriptions of men in black being this, where they're like, they don't really make sense. Like they say things that don't make sense. Their faces look like their masks that they're wearing, uh, or like they don't really have facial expressions. They're very pale. Um, they, talk kind of robotic sometimes very antiquated um so yeah they, these these are men in black men in black are not like government agents that are like researching ufos there may be aliens that are trying to f- get more information maybe about other aliens uh huh. and they're kind of able to sort of disguise themselves as human uh, obviously not very well right like He's like, Yeah, we're from the human federal bureau of investigation. Like, no one would say that. Yeah. Right? Or he's like, uh blah, 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 something, 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 small talk, small talk, small talk. I love that. I thought that was hilarious.
1: Yeah, I gotta I gotta try that in my own personal life. Just say small talk, small talk, small talk. It could work.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: Yeah. I would just like to point out that uh on the X Files. Jesse Ventura plays a man in black uh so yeah maybe maybe they are aliens uh, I don't know if you've ever seen
0: the uh the t v show Fringe no, okay, fantastic show, highly recommended uh it's kind of like uh x files uh except there's like this multiverse thing that ends up popping up that's really interesting yeah. uh and there there's these characters called the Watchers. And they're basically these men in black guys. It's uh, they're just like very pale, no hair anywhere on their head, and they dress in black suits with the the black cap. Um, and all they do is watch for certain like cosmic events because um, they're. I can't remember if they're from the future or like, yeah, I think they're humans from the future, but like their consciousness is expanded to a point where like they don't really see time. So, like, they can see past, present, and future all at the same time. Um, and so, basically, they, like, watch these events unfold and, like, take notes. Um, and that's obviously based on on this Men in Black trope. Um, for anyone that hasn't looked up Men in Black, like, look at some of these stories. They're really interesting. Uh, matter of fact, I was into a podcast today. They were talking about Men in Black. And there was this one about, like, Men in Black showing up and they're, like, drinking bleach or something. Um, I don't know, really weird stuff. Galaxy Defenders. (laughs) Yes, not to be confused with that Men in Black. Not to be confused with that. Um, I think, uh, Men in Black stories came like pretty early. Like, I'm pretty sure they started in the early 50s.
1: Yeah, that's dope, man. Uh, I mean, it seems like this is a real rich tapestry that we're getting, so. For sure. Um, we're one issue in. Yeah, uh, so we we get a lot of juicy stuff.
0: Yes, yes. I'm uh, I'm very excited. I, I was very excited for this series. I know Ronnie is as well. Uh, Ronnie's into this kind of stuff also. Um, so uh, looking forward to the next one. I thought I thought this was a great first issue.
1: Yeah, man. Let's get that. Let's get that close encounter story. Let's 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 do a and A. There you go. There. You All right, go. Elliot, do an AMA. <laughs> We'll start with
0: that. You know what we should do? We should just get Elliot on the show and then have him tell the story here.
1: Dude, that's a great idea.
0: That's a good idea. All right. We'll we'll see if we can make that happen. Uh, Let's rate uh, Midnight Vista up. What do you think, Travis? Uh, I'm going to go with four out of five.
1: I'm definitely very enticed with what we're going to get in the next four plus issues or whatever.
0: Yeah. I'm also very enticed, but I'm going to go five out of five on this one. I loved it. And again, it's it's totally up my alley. Uh, so that's uh, it. It was awesome. It was awesome. Okay,
1: Qu- question though. Yes, like the way that we see uh, the dude show up in the future. You think that's like a Terminator nod? <laughs> like he's like kneeling, right? I mean, maybe it's possible. I feel like he just blinks in naked and kneeling, and that to me suggests Terminator. Sure. So maybe he is from the future.
0: But Travis, there is no future. It's all happening now. Mm. 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 Uh. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I've also heard of these kind of stories. Where, I don't know about the disappearing for 18 years kind of thing. Uh, but, like, people getting abducted and they show up, like, 500 miles away a couple of days later. Like, no idea how they got there. So, there, again, lots of nods to, like, a lot of stories that I'm – somewhat familiar with so very very cool uh all right that's it on the books for this week uh next week we only have one book but it's a brand new book and that is you are obsolete nice Mm -hmm. see talking about terminator reference in the future people are obsolete because uh the terminators
1: yeah see i mean i prefer doctor who where (laughs) you will be upgraded
0: and turn into a dalek
1: turn into a cyberman
0: oh a cyberman Yes. Weren't the well oh no the Daleks were like uh the time travelers, right?
1: Well Daleks just want to eradicate. Yeah, but, exter- they just want to exterminate. But, the Time Lords are the time travelers.
0: I'm I'm pretty sure there's an episode in one of the more recent seasons, maybe like 3 seasons ago, where they explain about um I think it was the one of the Matt Smith seasons actually, where they explained that the Daleks were like an offshoot culture of the Time Lords. And, like, they went in, like, this technology direction.
1: Dude, did we just stumble into a timey Wimey podcast?
0: (laughs) Maybe. Where's Ronnie? Where's Ronnie? See, Ronnie would know. Shame on you, Ronnie. You should have showed up. (laughs) Is that a TARDIS? Uh, Could be. (laughs) Uh, Is companion Amy going to show up? Hello. Uh, I think that's going to wrap this up, Travis. Yeah. Thank you for listening. You can, of course, find us on Twitter. Uh, Travis is at TheGreatMagnet. I'm at Geekvine. Ronnie is at Rumba316. Tell him uh, he needs to come hang out. He would have been very helpful this episode. And, of course, the show is at AftershockPod. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you next week.